0: Oh, thank you, Jesus. We started a series last week called "Kingdom Come," and uh, a few of you, you may have thought that the kingdom came Thursday night when the Steelers put up 52 points on the Panthers. Uh, that was pretty exciting. Greg, were you praying? That's that's what it was. Is Greg was interceding for the Steelers all day? Uh, but that that wasn't what we were talking about, even though that was exciting to us as Pittsburghers, uh, as as we are watching the news. Not just the Steelers game this week, but I watched some of the news. I voted on Tuesday, and and as I was realizing something about all the stuff that happened this week do you know here's here's what I realized this is my big takeaway from the election and watching the news all week apparently voting didn't fix all the problems in our country Come on, did did any of you go to the polls thinking, man, we're going to make a difference, we're going to change it? Depending on who you talk to, it either went well, it didn't go well, or it was kind of like a tie, we're not sure what happened. People either wanted more Democrats to get in, they wanted more Republicans to get in. Each side told you, it'll be awesome if you vote for us, and it'll be horrible if you vote for those other guys, but it didn't fix anything for real in the country. Like, there there are still real issues that are going on, and as divided as our country has been, how many of you have sensed that going on in the country. The red places are getting redder, the blue places are getting bluer. As divided as the country has been, people on both sides have something in common. At their very core, what people on both sides want is they want things to be right. Come on. There's, there's a couple, depending on politics, there's different visions of how, how it should happen or how people think it should go. But at their very core, most people who were voting on Tuesday were voting because I want things to be right in this country. I want, what what they're really after is a word that we don't use that often, but they're really after justice. Come on. They, they want things. At its very core, justice says things will be set right in the world. And I think justice is a term that gets thrown around a lot. It doesn't need a qualifier in front of it. How many of you have heard people talk about social justice or racial justice or gender justice, all these different things? How many of you know justice doesn't need any qualifiers? It just says, hey, I'm going to come and things are going to be set right in the world. And that's when people are interested in that, when they're wanting to make a difference, they're wanting things to be set right in the world, whether they realize it or not, they're actually echoing the heart of God. In, in Isaiah one eight the Lord says, I, the Lord, love justice. That's what he's after. He wants things to be set right in the world, just as much as you and I did, whether you went and pulled a lever or touched a screen on Tuesday. That's what people are after, is they have this longing and this sense inside of them that something is not right in the world, and it needs to be. Yeah. And that is the heart of God. I think that's part of the when God created each one of us and put a little bit of his essence in us to cause us to come alive when he breathed into Adam. That's part of that residue that's still in there. There's a longing in people that they want things to be set right in the world when they're not. And so whether they believe in God or not, they're, they're echoing his heart when they do that. And so uh, last week we said to start this series out we said the kingdom is a spiritual reality that can actually transform and shape our natural world when the kingdom comes things are set right that's, that's really what's happening in this equation. Justice is coming. The, the abundant life that Jesus promised to deliver us to us. Those are all things that are happening when the kingdom comes, when we pray for it and we see it happen. And the kingdom come uh, may not always, this is what's hard to fathom sometimes, when we talk about the kingdom coming, it may not always reflect our opinion or the way that we think things should go, but it will always be right. Because that's when God's plan is the one that gets carried out it may not exactly look like we thought it should look but it's the right plan and so when the kingdom comes things are set right and uh, I mean even me I'm, I was thinking about this week like I think it would be better for the country if they would just let me be the king like, I'm a nice guy I want the best for everybody I, I would do the right thing most of the time I think But even me, I think about it, I'm like, you know, even the things that I want to see happen, every situation that I think about what's right for that situation, there's a little tinge of selfishness in there. Because I'm human. and, And I want things to go the way that I would like them to go. And really what we're talking about when we pray for the kingdom to come, I'm surrendering what I think is the right thing in order to let the right thing actually happen. And that, that is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in Matthew 6.10. He, he said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was Jesus saying in that moment? He was telling his disciples, pray that what's true and happening in the unseen realm starts to happen in this realm. That's the prayer that he's asking for right there. And when, he, when we do that stuff starts to flow. Heaven starts to appear around us. The kingdom comes. Things are set right in the world. And he didn't say, pray for what you want to see happen. He said, pray for what the Father wants to see happen. Yeah, I think it's interesting. He didn't say just pray to go to heaven one day. That's not what that prayer was about at all. He was actually saying, pray for heaven to come here. Right. Come on. there's. I think we miss that sometimes. Uh, Jesus was not interested in removing us. He's interested in removing injustice in the world. Come on, and if you remember, uh, I got at least one amen on that. He's, he's not interested in removing us. He's interested in removing injustice and wickedness and evil in the world. If you read the famous prayer in John 17 that he prayed for his disciples and all who would believe after him, one of the things Jesus actually prayed to the Father is he says, Father, I'm praying not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He's got a job for us to do here. And he says, I'm praying to the Father for you and on your behalf that he protects you while you're here in this world, praying for my kingdom to come and seeing things set right. That's what he's after in our lives. And we are the people who are responsible for seeing heaven come in the earth. I, I, I hate to disappoint you, but whether the person you voted got in or not, it's not their responsibility to make the world look like heaven. It's not their responsibility to say, oh, look, there's injustice, I'm going to set it right. It's, it's our job. Because Jesus told us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And what's hard to think about is things aren't set right in the world unless the people of God act on what Jesus said. There, there are a lot... I'm not, I'm not laying every atrocity that's ever happened in human history at the foot of the church, but there are a lot of horrible things that went on in history because the church remained silent. Because the church didn't stand up and pray, hey, we're going to ask the kingdom to come in this situation. We're going to stand up and declare that's not right. God wants it done this way. I... I mean the first one that pops in my head I've been thinking a lot about the Jewish community after the shooting in Squirrel Hill do you know that in the 30's in Germany the Catholic church actually was voicing their support for the Nazi party like they were, they were either voicing support or absolutely quiet on what was going on in the country at a minimum we, we should be standing up as the church and, and I don't care can we stop making it about a political thing Like with the shooting that happened in Squirrel Hill, can we stop saying, oh, look what the president did or didn't do or this party did or didn't do? As the church, can we just stand up and say, hey, violence is wrong. That was evil, and we are for love and compassion and everybody being together. Come on. There is something that we need to do to make a stand to keep those things from happening in the world. And it's not solved by politics, even though we voted this week. It's solved by the people of God standing up and beginning to act and beginning to pray and beginning to declare some things to set things right in the world. So how did we get to be responsible? Like, as a Christian, I'm thinking, wait, I just thought Jesus was going to save me. You mean I mean, I, I have to... how that, I didn't read the fine print. Like, we're, we're in this thing and we're saying, hey, I'm trying to be a Christian, and all of a sudden we keep finding out, hey, there's, there's these responsibilities these, that we have, and there's this authority we've been given. How did we end up with the job of seeing the kingdom come here on earth? Like, God, wasn't that your bit? Has anybody ever asked God that? Maybe I'm the only one that thinks about these things. God, you know, why, why don't you just fix this? <laughs> I think about it like our kids talking to us as parents. Like, I can't do that, and you're like, you just tied your shoe yesterday. What do you mean you can't tie it today? Or I don't know, I'm I'm in grandparent mode. You know, Eli's he, he there this morning. I can't get my shirt off. <laughs> put, your, <laughs> put your arms up over your head. That's like the good first step there. But he's he's thinking, Pap, you do it. Like, get me dressed, and he has a part to play in that. It's very similar to what Jesus did with us in the world is he's done the heavy lifting. He went to the cross, he shed his blood, he released forgiveness, he released wholeness, he released the authority of the name of Jesus to us to set things right in the world. And then some of us were sitting there, I can't get my shirt off. Can't you do that part too? How, how did I end up with this job, Jesus? Well, it happened a while ago and Psalm 115, verse 16, gives us a little hint. It says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to men. Oh, you mean it's, it's ours. To make stuff happen here on Earth for for whatever reason. Come on, God is sovereign. He could intervene and do anything he wants at any time he wants to. Right? That's that's part of being God. That's that's on your list of qualities and characteristics. You could intervene and do anything you want at any time, but for some reason that goes way beyond our understanding and our logic, He has limited His involvement in our realm to the extent that people invite Him into it because the Earth He's given to man. I don't don't know about you, but to me, like, have you ever heard somebody they're resisting coming to Jesus because they have the argument of, well, how could a good God let these bad things happen? You you guys have heard that one. I've heard it from several people. This is part of the answer. (laughs) There's bad things that happen because the earth he's given to man. And to whatever extent that we're not inviting him in to be a part of it and to see things set right in the world, there's bad things that still happen. And then some of it is just the realm we live in the natural things that go on. But the earth, he's given to us. And as Christians, we actually have the authority of all the people in the earth that could set things right. We have the authority of the name of Jesus to stand up and to pray and to declare and to ask him to come change things and set things right in the world. The faith that's released through our prayers is the substance if you want to quote the writer of Hebrews, he talks about faith being a substance. I believe the faith released in our prayers is the substance that God uses to build and to manifest the kingdom in this earth. To some, for whatever reason, he's waiting to say, hey, I could fix that if you'd ask me into it. If you would invite me, even like the word Miss Lillian had this morning, to the extent that we ask him and desire him to come, that's the extent he'll come. And this responsibility came Long before Jesus taught his disciples to pray on that mountainside, in, in when he was telling them, pray for the kingdom to come and my, my Father's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, he was actually echoing the same thing that God told Adam in Genesis. If you look all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, it says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the seas and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Come on, God was the creator and the ruler. He made a place that was exactly ordered according to his will, the Garden of Eden. And he put man in the middle of it to take care of it and to tend it. And he made a space where man could have an intimate face-to-face relationship with him. Because make no mistake about it, that was the prize of the garden. That was the most important benefit about living in the garden of Eden, is this is a place where I can see God face-to-face. This is where I can get to know him and understand him and meet with him. And God told Adam... Take what we have in here and reproduce it out there. You ever, come on, if you read that verse, sometimes we miss the fact that God's got Adam in the middle of this garden, but he's telling Adam, go subdue the whole earth. Put, literally, put, put footprints on it and establish what we have here as a rule and dominion over the whole earth. That, that was the charge he's giving to Adam, and it was very similar to Jesus thousands of years later telling his followers, pray for the kingdom to come. Everywhere that you go, heaven should go with you. And so he told Adam that, said, export the kingdom to the rest of the earth. And I think that's still what he tells us today. Where do you have an intimate face-to-face relationship with God? Everywhere you go. That was a great answer, mom. I can count on my mom for tracking with me sometimes. It's not a specific location. What's common to everywhere you go is you. And God's still telling us today, reproduce what's in here out here in the rest of the world. Just just like Adam was in a garden, in a physical location, having that relationship, we carry that relationship with us inside. And and the things that we can have in our life, the peace, the joy, the, the things that he brings to us, the salvation and the wholeness, he's saying the same thing he said to Adam, subdue the whole earth with what's going on inside here. And he wants us to carry it out. What comes out of that intimate relationship, use it to establish the kingdom in the earth. In, in Romans fourteen seventeen, there's a little bit of insight. Uh, Paul says, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's something internal that is part of the kingdom. That's where it starts. And this was, come on, this was a radical thought for the Jews. When Paul wrote this, they were used to, we show everybody that we're part of God's people by what we eat and what we drink. Come on, that's for, for a couple thousand years under the Old Covenant. It was all about eating and drinking. Am I following the law? Am I not eating the right thing? Am I going into the wrong person's house? I'm going to show people that I belong to God by what I eat and drink. And it was revolutionary and radical for Paul to come on the scene and say, that doesn't matter at all. That's not going to establish the kingdom. What it is, is what's going on in here the righteousness, the peace and joy, the the realm of the Holy Spirit operating inside of us. It's a kingdom that can't be shaken because it's not dependent on our external circumstances. The kingdom starts right here inside of me. And that's... Come on, I keep going. Maybe I've just had it on my mind all week. Like, I go back to thinking about what happened in Germany in the 30s. And there's a... What was his name? The, the guy that was in the concentration camps that he wrote, hey, after everybody takes away your freedoms, all you have left is the ability to choose how you're going to respond. That guy could walk in the peace and the compassion and the understanding of the kingdom because it was inside of him, even though he was locked in a prison cell. And ask me sometime later this week, and I'll tell you his name, because it might be Bonhoeffer. Thank you. You read that book. The kingdom isn't dependent upon where we are and what's going on. It's dependent on on us being there and that relationship that we have with Jesus. So uh, when Paul writes that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, it it was also kind of stirred people up because the Hebrew mindset about righteousness, it wasn't just right living, it was being rightly related to what was going on and the people around you. And so when he says it's righteousness, peace, and joy... Part of the fruit of the kingdom is how we're interacting with one another. It's, it's not just like, oh, I was watching you, you did that wrong thing, or you said that hateful word, or whatever it is, the right living, the sinful stuff. It really is about how are we treating and interacting with each other as well. The fruit of the kingdom can first be seen in our relationships. Late, later on to the Corinthian church, Paul says, hey, if, if I have the faith to move mountains, but I don't have love, it's not worth very much at all. So, uh, in its simplest form, this, I wanted to, everybody's like, give a definition for the kingdom. What's it mean? It's hard to narrow it down to one thing. You can't really. But in its simplest form, the, the kingdom coming is any time the will of the king is done. That, that really is, it, it boil it all down, take out all of the circumstances and everything else. The kingdom coming happens when the will of the king is carried out. Because if you remember last week, we said every kingdom has a king, a reign, and a people. And so the reign is what the king wants done. How he wants things ordered, what it looks like. And when the reign of the king is carried out, the kingdom has come and things get set right in the world. Jesus is the king, right? Make sure we're all in the same room. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is the king. All right, so, so we're declaring that we are members of his kingdom. If you're saying that he's the king, then what he said and did in his life is what he wants the kingdom to look like. If, if you study the life and the, what Jesus said, what he did, that's what the kingdom coming looks like. And there, there's a whole bunch of ways that you could go with this, I think, and uh, preach about it. You could probably do a ton of Sunday messages, but I just boiled it down to a couple things that you can kind of generally group things that Jesus taught about into these categories. So I'm going to tell you three things this morning that I think... These are the areas that Jesus desperately wants the kingdom to come in our lives. And I, I got ahead of myself to mention it, but relationships is number one. That's Jesus wants the kingdom to manifest in the relationships that we have with people. In John 13, he said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So there's, there's a couple things when I read that verse, I see, oh, he's giving a new command. What's, what's he mean by new command? Well, well the first thing is I'm giving you a new command. That means that's superseding the old commands I've given you. This is the one I want you to focus on. This is what's the most important. The, the law of the kingdom is the law of love. A couple times Jesus said, hey, all the prophets in the law, hang on this, love God and love your neighbor. And twice later in, in the epistles, Paul says, it all boils down to love your neighbor. He he simplified it even further. He said, if you're loving God, you will love your neighbor. That's the number one thing. The law of the kingdom is the law of love. Paul calls it a more excellent way, didn't he? In 1 Corinthians, he says, let me show you a more excellent way. And then he spends a whole chapter writing about what love looks like. Later on, Paul says, hey, owe no man anything except the continuing debt to love one another. So love is what he's after. That was a new command, and it affects how we relate to each other. And I think you can also say it's, it's a new command because it really was different than the old one. The old command said, love your neighbor as yourself. What does he say in this verse? Love each other as I have loved you. Come on, Jesus loved us more than he loved himself. How do I know that? Because he laid down his life for us. So it's a new command because it goes above and beyond the old one. I, just, I don't love my neighbor just as myself, but I have to be willing to love my neighbor the same way that Jesus loved me. Ouch. That takes it to a whole other level. Uh, if you have a broken relationship in your life right now, that's a place where you can pray for the kingdom to come. That's a place where something needs to be set right in the world. So he wants the kingdom to come in our relationships. That's number one. Number two is uh, I think the kingdom comes anytime there's healing of sick people and deliverance from the work of the devil. That if you cannot divorce that from Jesus going around and proclaiming the kingdom, every time he started talking about the kingdom, it says he healed all the sick people in their midst. He cast out demons. He set them free from all the bondages they were in. That is part of the fruit of the kingdom coming is when people get healed and set free from the devil. There was a guy that had leprosy that came to Jesus in Matthew 8. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Come on. It's never a question of whether or not he's willing. Come on. The answer is always yes, he's willing for it to happen. And this guy came and he's asking, come on, we... Sometimes we ask these prayers, Lord, if it's your will, and he's up there saying, it's, it's my will, I am willing. Jesus was willing to heal people, and he did it all the time, and he, that's part of the fruit of the kingdom coming. Healing is still happening today. If, if we are expecting it and willing to look for it, people are still being healed today. Here's, here's a picture of an article I saw this week. This was online. Literally, this is a s- local CBS news story that was just had an, an online news story. And it's about this guy who the doctors were baffled because he had a brain tumor on his x-rays. And then when they went to have surgery, the date of the surgery, there was no brain tumor. And it, it says the doctors were baffled. And this, this whole article talks about how the, the guy was a member of this church and they laid hands on him and they prayed for him and they, you know, his faith community was so important to him. And here's this, this is in real, like, an. I don't want to say real news, fake news. <laughs> it's not fake news, that's real news. It's, and it's not even Charisma Magazine or one of those other outlets. Like the local CBS news station saying, we don't know what happened to this guy, but he got a second chance at life because a brain tumor disappeared out of his head. Healing is still happening today because the kingdom is still coming. And, and I, say, I said last week, we are in this place of tension between the kingdom has been released, but we don't see the fullness of it all the time. Here's an article about a guy getting cured from a brain tumor. We had grandkids with runny noses and fevers all week come on. I, I don't know why some things work out the way we do. I am comfortable enough with God that he doesn't have to answer to me to say, Lord, I'm still going to believe That's that right. you are the healer whether I see it That's or not. Right. That's right. And the times when I do see it, I'm going to be excited about Amen. it and say, look what my God did. Amen. Yeah. It's part of the fruit of the kingdom. I don't know why everyone and their brother doesn't get a miraculous healing, but I do know that the pattern of Jesus's life is that healing is part of the kingdom coming. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Healing and deliverance should be seen because uh, in First Corinthians, Paul said the kingdom's not a matter of talking, but of power. First Corinthians four twenty. It's not just talk. Eric Eric told me last week he, he loved the. the phrase I put on the screen because talk is cheap. He showed me a proverb that even says that. Talk is cheap. God's into demonstration. He says it's not just talk, but it's power. So if you or someone you know is sick or oppressed by the devil, that's an opportunity for the kingdom to come. And we need to begin to pray for that. If you're sick in this room this morning, even as soon as we're done with service, you're going to have an opportunity you can come and get some prayer. Don't. If you're sick in this room, Number one, I'm thinking, why are you here? You're not home in bed. But this is the place to come. If you're sick in this room, don't leave without getting prayer this morning. That's part of why we're here is to see the kingdom come. Um, So relationships, healing. The the third thing I just want to give you briefly and then we'll get going today. Uh, I believe when the kingdom comes, physical relief happens. And by that, I mean Jesus literally fed hungry people. How many of you remember that story? Whole mountainside of people listening to him teach. They've been there for several days. The disciples are like, Jesus, they're hungry. What should we do about it? He looks at them and says, hey, you give them something to eat. Come on. I can't get my shirt off, pap. <laughs> it's, it's one of those moments. Jesus is looking at him and saying, hey, I made this possible. Now you give them something to eat. And they're like, I thought you were going to do that. So Jesus says, okay, I'll I'll give you some lessons and examples. And he takes the loaves and the fish and he feeds 5,000 people. He literally fed hungry people. And it was evidence of the kingdom coming. He says in Matthew 25, whatever you did to the least of these, you've done for me. What was he talking about? He was literally talking about feeding them and clothing them and visiting them while they were in prison. Being connected to them. He says that's part of the fruit of the kingdom coming. Oh, come on. Think about Jesus. He saw the plight of people's condition and it stirred him and moved him with compassion because he looked at it and said, that's not right. That's not how my father designed it to be. That's not how I want it to be. And then he went and did something about it. He turns around and tells us this in uh, in the book of James, chapter one, verse twenty-seven. It says, "True spirituality that is pure in the eyes of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of orphans and widows in their troubles, and to refuse to be corrupted by the world's values." Many many translations have "true religion." There, uh, the Aramaic could be translated as "true ministry," but it really is about justice coming, about seeing the kingdom come, about seeing things that are not right and setting them right. And not, (laughs) you you could get in trouble for preaching that, I guess, but not necessarily people that can do something about their own condition, but that people that are in hopeless situations because of what life has dealt them. The, The widow didn't ask for her husband to die. I guess maybe there could have been a couple over the years. But by and large, the widow did not ask for her husband to die. She is in that because of the, what life has dealt her. And we're called out of the place of compassion of saying that's not right to do something about that. The orphan didn't ask for their parents to die. And God says, this is, this is really the ministry that pleases me that stirs me, that gets me involved, is when we take care of the people that aren't able to take care of themselves. If you see people that are in desperate need because of what life has dealt them, that's an opportunity for the kingdom to come. That's especially an opportunity not just to pray the prayer of, Lord, let your kingdom come, but to actually be the hands and feet that make something happen. I heard, I heard a guy one time, he says, he says, we pray all these prayers and then we don't like it when Jesus says you're the answer to that prayer you're praying. <laughs> like, God, go, can you do something about those poor people over there? And he's like, hey, thanks for praying that. You know why that was on your heart? We don't, sometimes we don't like that answer, but that is the reality of it. So those are, those are opportunities where I believe if you look at the life in the ministry of Jesus, that's really where he was after seeing the kingdom come. In the relationships that we have, seeing healing come to people and deliverance to people, and seeing actual relief happening to people that couldn't do anything about their circumstances. And I think if you build a church just based on one of those, we get out of whack. Come on, there's, there's churches all over town that you could go to that, hey, we're all about the relationships, but we never pray for anybody to get healed. We never do any community service. It's out of whack. It, it might as well be a, a social club. It could be the, the Elks Lodge or something. We have to do all of those three things at the same time to really be functioning in what Jesus has called us to do as his church and to see the kingdom come in the world. So here's, here's what I'd like you to do, even before you stand up. Whether you want to write it on a piece of paper or you want to write it in your phone, I would like you to write down, let your kingdom come in and fill in the blank. Whatever, whatever the first thing that pops into your head right now, if there's something that's not right, it's, it's out of whack in your world. Whether it's a, a relationship that's happening, you know somebody that's sick, what, whatever it is that pops into your head right now, you know somebody that's suffering and in need, whatever it is that pops into your head, write that down. Lord, let your kingdom come in blank this week. man, you guys listen good. I see people all over the room writing and uh, I'm assuming if you pulled out your phone right now, you're using it to do what I just said. (laughs) You think you've got your phone muted and all of a sudden the candy crush noises start coming out of your screen. We're writing this down together because we want to see the kingdom come. We want to see things set right in the world beyond what could happen from touching a screen in a voting booth. We want to see things right in the world. When you take this uh, with you this week, this is going to stir you to pray. I want you to just put this somewhere. If it's on your phone, set it to pop up as a reminder. Text it to yourself. Email it to yourself. Whatever it's going to do. If you've written it down, put it somewhere where you're going to see it every morning. And just, this is for this week, I want us to see what will happen if we really focus on asking God, let your kingdom come in this specific situation this week. Because I'm believing that all over this room, there's going to be situations that change this week. Just in this time of saying we're going to focus on it, we're going to declare the kingdom to come, we're going to pray about it, we're going to get involved if we need to, I believe we're going to have testimonies during this week of things that get set right in the world because we've been praying for it. All right, let's go ahead and stand together. If you're in this room this morning and uh, you've never started a relationship with Jesus, that's the first thing that could get set right in your life, and you could do it today. Uh, If you want to come up front when we're dismissing here, we'd love to pray with you and introduce you to them and and just uh, start things being set right in your personal life. And if you're already a a Christian in this room this morning and you wrote something down, I'd like to start by just praying for whatever you wrote on that piece of paper right now. So let's let's do that together. Father, we come before you right now. Uh, Those situations in our heart that were on our mind that popped into our head just now, the situations where things aren't right. God, we ask together right now in this room in the name of Jesus, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Lord, set things right in those situations. Let heaven come in those situations. We thank you, Lord, that there is a realm and an atmosphere where things are perfect, where you are. is called heaven. And we want to see the atmosphere of where you are invade this earth. Lord. Right now, we ask that you drive out diseases. You set people free from the oppression and possession of the That's devil. Right. You, you come, Lord God. That you do a work in people's bodies. Right. Lord, that uh, people that are in need right now, that you would come as the one that meets their needs, that they would be aware of it. Lord, for where there's broken relationships in our life right yeah. now, I thank you, God, that you, you've given us your spirit to help us to navigate that relationship. Lord, where it's broken right now, we know it's not right, and we ask for your kingdom to come. Yeah. Let let love be what we're known for, Lord God, in our relationships. God, we honor you this morning in this place. We have an expectancy, Lord God, that you are able to do things in our lives that we could never make happen ourselves, that your kingdom can come in us. We just honor you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your blessing upon our lives. Even as we go from this place, Lord, we don't go alone and in our own strength, but you are with us every single place that we go we just give you the glory for that and the honor now in Jesus name